Hey, y'all. Welcome to All About the Pod podcast with the University of Georgia Peanut Team. I am Macy Wheeler, your host, bringing you real-time updates from our scientists, extension specialists, extension agents, growers, graduate students, and everyone in between. All right. We're all back again. We're all about the pod. This is episode 53. Is that correct? I think that's correct. Yes. So we're moving on the road. We said we were going to have a couple more, but we got, you know, every time we get in a situation that we can bring in more people and discuss more topics and kind of correct some problems that I'm, you know, misstatements, if you want to call that. Um, So we try to do that. And we are, you know, each year... The UGA peanut team, along with uh, Alabama, along with Florida, along with um, Mississippi, sometimes other people, South Carolina, but South Carolina, oh, didn't make it this time. So Dan, uh, well, you know, he got the butt of the jokes this time. So, but um, we're glad uh, right this minute, now we got a crowd around us, but we're going to just talk with the people at the table right this minute. Um, yeah, I wish you could see this because here we are sitting at Fort Gaines at Bagby State Park at, for this tomato spot of wilt meeting. And we're talking science, and we got two characters over here putting fishing rods together. So, you know, they're going to go midnight fishing to see if they can hit something. Or maybe, what it, no, 6 o'clock in the morning fishing. That's what it is. So before they need to get back to the meeting, they're going to try to try to get something. But that we'll see what happens. But I got Barry Tillman, the peanut breeder out of Florida. I got Brendan, and I'm going I'm to butcher this, Zerwilla. That's that's pretty good. Zerweller? Pre- yeah, Zerweller. There it is. There yeah. you go, Zerweller. <laughs> um, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you say it because I'm going to mess it up also. Ama- Alana Jacobson. Alana. See, I was going to say Amanda, and I messed it up again. See. So, And you're from Auburn. Auburn. Yep. Auburn. I'll say this right. God knows. I swear I hadn't drank anything but water tonight for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> But nevertheless, we are very much um, here to talk about a few things in peanut. And, and right, off the, right off the bat, I want to correct myself. Mr. Barry Tillman, Dr. Barry Tillman, actually told me that I kind of said what um, I said your variety the wrong. I gave it the wrong attribute, right? Yeah, but it's not totally your fault, Scott. So I did kind of throw you a curveball. So we named a variety Flow Run 52N, and the N has historically stood for nematode resistance, and that's root, not nematode, not the other nematodes. But um, I was excited because we had our first normal oleic variety release in 20 years, which, you know, that's where the industry is going now for peanut butter especially. So I put the N on there for normal oleic. 52N is not nematode resistant. It is normal oleic. And that's a, that's good for everybody to know. Now, as you know, um, growers out there is listening to this we have stated already that we got this new nematode variety to go along with the rest of them like tift nvhg and um georgia 22 mpr but 52 n not a nematode variety but guess what we had it in nematode field that must have been light pressure because it yielded very well so uh as a normal oleic i'm proud to say it looks very good right now. So that's another choice that we have coming down the pipeline. Now, just like I had to back myself out of uh, Tift NVHG, we don't have enough seed to go around of it e- either, right? It, it's, it is new. I think there's around six or 700 acres, I'm not mistaken, in production this year, or we're produced in 2023. So there will be, you know, not... Not a lot of seed, but there's some seed for in the seed production chain. So it's, right. it's on the way. Okay. And, and you know, this is a, um exciting time for us because this is probably, I don't know, I've not, in my short career, I've not seen as many good varieties that have come out that are, are staying up there with O6 or 06G. You know, we got yield. We got good attributes like leaf spot resistance in a lot of these, better tomato spotter wilt resistance, flow run T61 of yours. Uh, looks pretty good. The, like I said, the Tift NVHG, the nematode resistant one, the 22 MPR looks pretty good so far. So we are at a new place. I think you're right. Yeah, there's a lot of new varieties. The the breeding programs throughout the southeast are, are turning out new varieties as, you know, every year. 
And I, I do think we're going to see more and more attributes piled into a single variety. So, you know, long-term, our goals are to have a variety that has nematode resistance, leaf spot resistance, white mold resistance, spotted wilt resistance, all in one package. That's not easy to do, but you can see the more we release, the closer we get to that goal. Right, right. And, you know, Brendan, that's got to be exciting for you also, right? I mean, you're in a new area, Mississippi, relatively not been growing peanuts long, considered, you know, when you consider everybody else. You don't have the problems we have, but to know that you've got a lot of things coming, that's, that's got to be exciting for you, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's really good to have, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of options. And, uh, you know, when you look at Mississippi, too, where our production environment's kind of split north to south. So south part's going to be kind of some of your more traditional disease problems, you know, like the lower southeast, but then you get up into north Mississippi and you know, our, our disease pressure is a little different. So, you know, having different varieties and different options to kind of fit those little areas, you know, where some areas we don't have a whole lot of leaf spot, but, you know, we have a lot of more white mold or vice versa, more, more, uh, leaf spot and less white mold. Right, so, right. you know, having something to kind of fit those areas, um, it's, it's definitely good to have those options. Because you're, you're, you're planting a lot of 09B, right? Georgia 09B? Uh, not, not, or is that Arkansas that's planting yeah, a lot of that? I think that's that's more in, in Arkansas up there. Okay. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're mostly Georgia 06s um, with, with some 12Ys got planted last year as well. Um, and then, you know, different, different characteristics as well. You know, we've been working on with Barry kind of screening things for early maturity too. So trying right, to right. get some attributes there that may be helpful for really the entire Mid-South region. Yeah. Hey, Abney, I don't know about you, and you're not listening to him in the headset, but Brendan has a radio voice. There's no doubt. He has a great voice for this, <laughs> this type of thing. So, um you know, I hear myself all the time. I was like, "Oh God, I got to listen to myself for a long time here." But, um, but you got that voice. That's that's a commanding voice for for radio. So there you go. That's good. <laughs> but um, you know, this this meeting's kind of cool because we get to we get to catch up with everybody. You know, we um, I don't, and this is my like I said, the first time I actually met you, Alana. Right? Um, but you're at Auburn. You do something a lot different than what we do. I mean, where this is mainly from the extension side, you're mainly from the research and teaching side, but you do a lot though, or you have in the past with peanut. Is that correct? Or what are, what are you doing now? So right now I don't have any projects with peanut. Um, in the past, I've worked with Dr. Abney on a few uh, projects looking at different insect pests. So I'm an entomologist at Auburn and I did my PhD in North Carolina state working on tomato spotted wilt virus. So I'm familiar with those problems and Really, uh, I have responsibilities in all row crops, so I have to be careful about how I balance things and basically whatever I can get funding to work on in terms of what problems are popping up. That's right, what I, right. I work on solving. So, well, I'm I'm glad to know that you're around because all I hear from Abney is, you know, I'm the only peanut entomologist. I'm by myself. I don't have anybody to associate with. Here, you got somebody. I mean, we never hear about her. Why is that, Abney? So she's been working on cotton leaf roll dwarf virus for the last five, six, seven, how many years now? All right. So you, you're, you're exaggerating just a little bit. Just a tiny yeah, bit. just a little bit. So Mark doesn't do that very often. Uh, you don't think so? He, he does a lot of that. But, you know, she's been working on some cotton dwarf virus, he says. So, um, again, we don't have mics to go around, so you might have not heard him, but that's all right. Sometimes he doesn't need to be heard. He just needs to be seen. So it's all right. Um so Barry, what what else? I mean, we saw a lot of data today, uh, and I'm not wanting to bore everybody with data, but the fact, I mean, can you update us on what's coming down the pipeline? I mean, there are some definite problems that we see, disease, virus, you know, yield, whatever. I mean, from your perspective, I think, like I mentioned earlier, this is exciting. I mean, can you update us on that? Sure, yeah, it, it is exciting. I, I think two things I would say that are coming down the line pretty quickly. One is uh, late leaf spot resistance. I think that um, everyone, uh, many people have heard Dr. Holbrook talk about his late leaf spot resistant uh, varieties, and, um, and we've tested those. They look good as well. And and we have other things, and, and I'm sure other breeding programs do as well, that, that look uh, equally good, I think, to uh, as that. 
So I think we're going to see things that will allow farmers to to be able to at least reduce their fungicide sprays. I don't think we have anything that's that's resistant enough to you know to uh, eliminate sprays. But I think there's definite um, help in terms of maybe the cost of the of the products that you use or the frequency with which you spray. Right. We've got some work to do there. The second thing is is spotted wilt resistance. You know, it it made a huge change in our production practices uh, when it when it came into, into the peanut um, uh, crop. We're planting later, but we're planting more acres per farmer, and farmers need to be able to plant something earlier. And we, I think, we have some help on the way that are. are very strong resistance to spotted wilt that will help them push back that planting date and minimize their risk overall for spotted wilt. So those two and that, things. That's very important, right? I mean, we pushed a bunch of hours, you know, into May this year, just from the sheer fact of tomato spotted wilt. And then we had the whole month of May that caused all these issues with weather. Uh, and it naturally pushed us back. And we're glad that it did somewhat exactly. from the front end. We thought it was a good thing because it helped us on the virus, but it killed us on heat units later down the road. And so talking about that, we we talked about a lot of Georgia problems, you know, on this podcast. Um, and we know we're circled by Florida. We're or at least on the west side. But also, you know, it doesn't matter. Mississippi's right across, you know, right down from us. When it comes to weather and what happened this year, did, did uh, you know, Florida have similar things? I mean, the western part of Georgia's, I mean, that's different than we've ever seen it, uh, or at least in a long time. Yeah, the weather in 2023 in Florida was really kind of a tale of east and west. So our eastern part of our state um, had, I think, sort of near normal rainfall and temperatures, um, and their crops did really well. Good grades, good yields, um, no major disease problems. But as we moved west uh, into the panhandle um, and over into the far western panhandle, we had significant drought conditions um, through the through the fall season, and it it caused major problems um, just with the crop overall. But it also caused um, significant white mold problems. So the temperatures were really high, and and the the rainfall wasn't there to move the fungicides down into the into the ground where the white mold was and so we had some major problems with that so heat and drought in the western part not so bad in the eastern part and that's very similar to what we saw now did you have the same grade issues that we talked about earlier we had a lot of um complaints about poor grades um not so much in the eastern part but definitely in the panhandle uh from from jackson county all the way to santa rosa county and escambia county so yeah and I and that's something to talk about too. You know, we and I and I hadn't updated the growers on this. You know, we we've had a lot of issues. We've had a lot of yield, and I and I mentioned in a previous podcast that we were down on irrigated about fifteen hundred pounds across most of the state. Uh, dry land, it went from zero to whatever it might have been. Um, some of them decent peanuts, some of them not. We had about one to one and a half weeks of good normal yields and grades, but I showed uh, to the group for those that are out there. We, you know, I got uh, was able to get all the loads that were graded in the state of Georgia, uh, not by names or anything like that, just dates and what the grade was for a particular load. Don't know who they were, where they come from, um, because I'm just kind of interested in that and to kind of help tell a story. And, and explain what went on, and and it just just snowballed me. I mean, it, it was really crazy because I'm not used to seeing grades like that. Um, when we looked at base grade, if you took base grade, and I think instead of 72.8, I did 72.4. So anything better than base grade, we were only at 59%. I think that's the right numbers if I said that earlier. I think it was 59% of all the loads graded in the state of Georgia, they were over the 72.4%. Now, anything better than 75, which 76 were better, there was only 19%. That's what caught me off guard. Not that, you know, you I expect that we had a lot that were above 72, but we would have thought that we would have been 70%, 75% above 72, uh, and then about 40% above 75. But that's not the way we saw it this year. 
Um, that means also that we had 40.9% below grade. And That's so right. just in that, we saw a tremendous amount of loss. You know, $5 a point, roughly, 5 to 7 whatever it might calculate out to, per point. We averaged over the however many total tons that we had. Um, we averaged 72.6 on grades this year. So not something George is used to. Uh, so, and I know Alabama was tough. I mean, have you had a chance or has anybody had a chance to look at that Florida, Mississippi? I mean, where, where are y'all at as far as yield and grade? I think we're, oh, and by the way, I looked at, <laughs> I keep thinking of stuff. Um, I looked at what our total tons graded so far and the 700 and some odd thousand, whatever it was, we come out right at this point. I know we still have grades. I mean, peanuts to be graded, not by much, but some. We're sitting at 37.67, I think it is, pounds per acre. So it's kind of crazy. We're sitting here around this table in this cabin, and we had the electricity go off. So hopefully, hopefully this thing is going to save wherever we need to save it. And I'll be all right. But um, so we were talking about quality and grades again. I got Brendan and I got Barry Tillman, um, and just trying to figure out how things and, and were Bob, looking. Bob and, and what, here too. Oh yeah, Bob. Yeah, Bob. God knows how did you I mean, get in here and not me I mean, see you? I don't know. I just wanted to make sure you knew I was here. I do. I do. Yeah, there's not a point in my life I don't know when you're around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that to the audience to. to I'm telling you, I'm telling you. But you know, we got a we got a bunch of folks in this room, and and we're all going to talk. We're going to get a chance to talk. Uh, um, but yeah, we were trying to just fill in some blanks and see where where everybody was. But as far as you know, Mississippi and Florida, you know, like I mentioned, we were talking about the weather and what a what impact that had on on yields and all and and where we're at um i mentioned that we i think i said 3767 on yield so far based on the tons that we've seen we are also sitting at about a 72.6 grade which is not so good for georgia um you know it's still good don't get me wrong still good i'm not going to say that um but it's not where we want to be. I'll put it that way. Is is that the same situation Mississippi and Florida? I mean, so I'll let y'all kind of fill in there. Yeah, I mean, in Florida, I don't have the official numbers yet. I haven't looked at that. But um, we did have significantly reduced yields in our western part of our state. And the latest numbers I did see, I think we're in the low 3,000s on our average yield for the state, which is, which is really off by five to 700 pounds, something like that. History historical and um, grades. I'm not sure, but we did hear a lot of just right at 70, you know, 68 to 72, kind of 70 average grades, which is not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'd say the the southern part of Mississippi where we had a historic drought. Uh, you know, there was areas that didn't get a drop of rainfall all of July and August and. You know, I talk with a lot of folks and that have been farming for 30 years and, you know, everyone was just kind of, every week would go by and they'd be looking at their fields and wondering, you know, how, how much longer can they hold on? Right. And so, you know, there's a lot of that. And so, but, you know, at the yield wise, we're probably around 3,000 pounds and, okay. you know, up mid upper 60s grades. And then, you know, really... The north part of Mississippi, they, they had one of the best crops they've had in probably 15, 20 years. Uh, good rainfall really up until uh, about mid-August. So it did turn dry there at the end of the season. But fortunately, you know, they already had a pretty good pod set. Yeah. So it didn't really hurt yield, probably impacted graze a little bit. Tough, I think tough getting them out. That was one of the things I was going to bring out is, and now I think that's what I was going to mentioned when the power went berserk uh was that in the western part of florida and in mississippi down in that that neck mm -hmm. uh around gulf shores and all that that's that's where all through there 
you typically get rain. In the Delta, you typically get rain when we miss out sometimes. And so you, you know, you scratch your head. Why, why in the world we're in drought? You know, and, <clears throat> and it was amazing because we'd see fronts come across and it looked like y'all got plenty of rain, but you didn't. So, I mean, it's just kind of crazy how all that worked out. Yeah, that part of Florida, at least, is is one of the rainiest in the country from, you know, Santa Rosa County over to Mobile and, and that southern Mississippi area is really usually rainy. No irrigation over there. So it was really, really odd for them to have that dry condition for that long. Yeah. Now, we got Bob Kimmer right here. And I tell you, Bob, Bob gets really testy now. And I'm going to tell you, he gets very testy at these kind of meetings when you got a person from florida which he's not here and you got people from mississippi you know and we're going from white mold you know good old white mold in georgia everybody knows what white mold is and then you got these northerners coming in that's in florida that says hell that's southern stem rot or whatever they call it and so it confuses a lot of people bob what i mean what is it what is it well, the d- disease we call white mold so frequently down here is, uh, that's what we call it. But I guess the official term is stem rot or southern blight. Southern blight. And that so was it, what it was, southern blight. I hadn't heard blight. that in yeah, a while, southern, southern blight. blight. Southern blight. So, I mean, that is, I guess that is correct. But uh, we would just call ne- that nematodes a dead plant, or nematodes, so. right? It's, uh, we call it white mold. And what I'm most concerned with, Scotty, is that the growers we work with know what we're talking about That's right. and that they understand what it takes to manage it. So I, I stand corrected a lot on the official name, but uh, our growers here, when we talk about white mold, they know they better be prepared for it. They know they better have the right fungicide, the right variety, and, and take take the opportunity. So we, let's, let's talk about that. Now, we mentioned earlier, we're a group of about five states, four states, five states, mm-hmm. Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, sometimes Arkansas, sometimes South Carolina. Uh, we hadn't got North Carolina in this mix yet, but but we all come together typically here at Bagby State Park, and we talk about tomato spotted wilt virus as well as diseases, and it's more related to varieties. That's why the breeder's here. That's why you know Nino was here earlier. He had to go back. Um, but this is a big team that we have together that is discussing this. Bob, kind of update us. Where are we at? You know, what are we looking at? Uh, kind of give us a rundown of what we heard today. Well, I think that when you look, Scott, that uh, the biggest thing that comes out to me is the diversity. You know, Brendan over here from Mississippi and, and uh, Barry talking about parts of Florida where spotted wilt really wasn't a problem. Now, there's a regional aspect to it, uh, but we're all fighting the same diseases. And so some areas aren't hit as badly as we are in, in Georgia and some, some are. But I think what a unifying factor was, in addition to our desire to create something, to maintain something that makes the growers money, makes them profitability, we're all united in that. But but white mold really was. And I think that we talk about uh, Barry Tillman, we talk about what happened, what you were saying, and then Brendan was saying uh, the, the amount of white mold they saw. And it wasn't everywhere, but I say the unifying disease this year, a lot of times it's spotted wilt, a lot of times it's a least spot, but this year uh, the conditions we had in, in Alabama, North Florida, and in uh, Mississippi with very hot, dry conditions. So... Hot and dry conditions. Hot and dry conditions. But we had disease, though, right? That's right. And that's one of the things where white mold is. I, Barry, I don't know if it was you who was talking about a grower. Who, somebody was talking about a grower. Maybe it was from Alabama who had a beautiful uh, field of peanuts. And then they went to dig it and turned the ground and the, the underground white mold had taken them out. They so, taken them out. Yep. So that's a, if, if you're, if you're, most of the growers may be in Georgia, but if you're a grower anywhere in the southeast, uh, that's a disease with the conditions we had last year, which need to be aware of so the other thing and i'm, I'm bringing mark abney to the table because i want mark to kind of comment on something and see that's how it goes I'm, I'm just i'm not complaining i'm just going to tell you this is the life of a plant pathologist we're having a nice discussion we're talking white mold and i'm gonna shut you down well. i'm gonna shut then, you down then the entomologist yeah. sits down and oh mark's here let's uh, let's talk about uh, something else anyway, actually i'm I used to it so. uh, actually i'm i want both of y'all to comment on this this is y'all's arena i'm just kind of the help of the one that gets it together and gets people rolling. But we had, um, like I said, this is a big group. We talk about it. We set up the tom- the tomato spotted wilt risk index, or actually it's called the disease risk index, peanut RX. But um, 
I also wanted to put in a plug. Part of this whole thing that we've been working on for quite a few years is is trying to get more information out about Peanut RX, um, how bad the virus has been the last couple of years, and how interesting uh, you know it is sometimes to gather data. We tried to do this kind of just as the specialist here to start try to figure out and map out um, tomato spotted wheeled in fields across Georgia. And it is very difficult for two to three people to get enough fields out there. And so we really asked our agents. We figured that would be the best thing. And so what I'm talking about is that we did uh, do some surveys over the last three to four years uh, for tomato spotted wilt. And, and what that has enlightened us on and what that has allowed us to help change out or, or recommend. And so that's, that's why I wanted Abney and Cam right here. Can you go through, Abney, what we have found out over the last two to three years from all the surveying we did? We have asked these agents to go out and do random fields in each county. And we've asked the growers not to shoot them, you know. <laughs> yes, right. You know, try not to shoot them. Try to let them go out and do their job. You know, we're trying to help them. We're not taking any information that would hurt anybody, but give us a, a rundown on what we found out. Yeah, so this has been going on now for four years that the agents have been helping us. And for two years before that, you and I and Dr. Srinivasan tried to do it ourselves, just riding around the state. And when when Scott says we asked growers not to shoot us, we were concerned about We thought Dr. one Schweever. was going to get us, yes. I was running across the field one evening to intercept Dr. Srinivasan because there was a grower driving his truck across his peanut field to towards Dr. Srinivasan, and I thought it was going to be really bad. But he handled it very well, and the grower was gone by the time I got there. So it's, it's not a joke. I mean, we really don't want anybody to get shot. But we have learned a lot, Scott, and you know, there's no way we could do it. We're, we're getting somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 fields, upwards of 300 fields per year in the survey, and we just can't do that with a few of specialists going out in the trucks. And um, and we got them from other states as well. And we did, yeah. So states, we've right? had participation from Alabama and from Florida uh, in the past. And so we get a lot of information. And, and at the end of the day, you know, you're looking at, spot, at uh, Peanut RX, and it's been around for a long time. And you think about, well, we've got new varieties, or maybe we're doing things differently now than we did 10 or 15 years ago or 20 years ago. And, and maybe people question whether Peanut RX is is it still relevant or maybe even they take it for granted. And what a lot of what the survey did for me was, was demonstrate just how good peanut RX is because we asked questions. Well, the growers, first of all, they, the, 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 the county agents, when they go there, they assess the level of spotted wilt in the field. That's the first thing they do. They go to three random spots in the field and they assess the amount of spotted wilt there, but then they go back to the growers and ask for information about planting date and cultivar and, uh, they, they they get the row pattern and, and those kinds of things. And what you see is that when we put all that together every year, that when we look at the, the risk index, like, did you use Thymed or not? And in the, and for example, this year in 2023, 60 something percent of the fields that were in the survey had Thymed applied to them. Well, guess what? The, the incidence of spotted wilt in that 68% of the fields was lower than in the fields that didn't have Thymed. And likewise, when we look at planting date and we look, okay, what percentage of the fields were planted in April? And this year, I think 24 fields out of the 305 in the survey were planted in April. And guess what? The, the incidence of spotted wilt in those 24 fields was 18%. Well, the average across the state was 11.7%. So just by planting in April, you're looking at increasing the incidence of spotted wilt by seven point seven percentage points right and those if you think if you've been to our grower meetings when i talk you know that for every percentage point of spotted wilt you get you lose 19 pounds of peanuts per acre so it means something i mean it's real it's money in your it's out of your pocket so these things it, it really does in my mind it spotted peanut rx works um if you if you have spotted wilt in your fields and you say oh it's got more spotted wilt than i think i should have it's a problem for me, and you haven't looked at PNRX and assessed your risk, then you really need to do that because it works, right? I mean, I know right, we, right. we have to plant peanuts in April. Everybody, I mean, growers listen to say, Mark, I've got to plant peanuts in April. i got too many peanuts. I know that, and but we just be realistic about what the expectations are. You know that when you plant some of those peanuts in April, they're going to be at high risk. 
Dr. Cobleth, you can sit down. It won't it won't matter. Um, <laughs> we'll so we're, we're swapping out here. Yeah. Nobody wants to make any excess noise. Um, oh, it'll be but, fine. It'll but be it'll fine. be fine. We're um, it's what is it? It's, it's nine o'clock at night. Yep. At Peanut RX, so it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. Right. So, but anyway, we've learned a lot. I think, and a lot of what we've learned is that Peanut RX. I mean, it's, we knew Peanut RX was good, and it confirms that. And what we also do is we get a very, and rather than making a guess on. Uh, what the level of spotted wilt is in the state every year, we have a very good estimate now, right? It's not every field. It's but not we just have, guessing. That's it's the, not, it's not a guess not anymore, guessing. right? We, we've done a, a random survey across the whole state, and we get an assessment, and we've got a that's really right. good idea of what the level of spotted wilt is. And, I mean, I think that's it's really important, I think, for us to keep up with that because when things change from a research standpoint, from an extension standpoint, you got to be on top of it. And if something's... Well, like, look, we got a pattern. Something's going on. We got to figure out what it is, and that's really important for us. But anyway, that that's right. I, I think it's. Right. I think it's. And and I want to say thank you to the the uh, county agents who do it because oh, they don't have to do deal. it. It's voluntary, it's a big deal. And, and I know what it's like to do it because you and I have ridden around doing it. And, and we've so we've got questions. Why can't y'all just do it? You know, yeah, we tried pe- very very diligently. Right. For freaking what three weeks we tried. We rode around and, and I mean, we Babu got, almost got shot and uh, we got I forty mean, to fifty. And we can fields. do about fifty fields, right? I mean, you can only do so much. But I've never seen Mark run so fast. I, I was, mean, it was it I was, was tough. running. I thought he was in real trouble. And Babu didn't know. <laughs> Babu <laughs> thought he was in real trouble too. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know what to do. But you know the reason that also now I said Doctor Camerite's part of this. We got Doctor Colbert here, but you know this whole Peanut RX thing. It, and all the work we've done, it makes Bob Camerite look good. And I tell you, Bob Camerite is the leader of this group when it comes to this, and it is it is by far. When he goes to waving those doggone cards, have you read this? Have you read this? It's here. It's almost like the Bible, right? Not as good, but it is. It's, it's pretty good, but it's not good as, as the Bible. But now he goes reading and all. But um, when you look, Scott, that it's... I think this is the 27th edition, so longer than, certainly longer than my children have been around, and a lot of, for 27 consecutive editions of this uh, material put together by specialists from now from five different states, it's the best we can do with the money that's been invested in land-grant universities and support from the chemical industry as far as prescription programs. This is is really a capstone for what we do, and so... Am I proud of it? I'm proud of it as you a see, team. You are be super it's, proud of it. Super uh, proud it, of it. It does matter. But I tell you what, we got we got two of the most seasoned professionals in this whole thing sitting right in front of me too, Doctor Colbert and Doctor Brenneman. They have been in this thing since the get go as well. You know, for the for the ones of us that are younger, I wouldn't say we're young, but we're <laughs> younger. Um, we've been. Learning from these two fellas for a long time about disease. I've I've had the pleasure of being, you know, educated in my master's by Dr. Colbert and Dr. Brenneman, and then continuing to be schooled by them every day. And, and that could be in plant pathology as well as how to kill a dang deer. I don't know what it is, but, you know, when I kill a deer and think it's big and then Dr. Brenneman kills one and makes me look stupid, you know, it, it, it's tough. It's tough, but you know, I learn from it every day. I learn from it every day. But no, we're here. You guys have been in this from the get-go. Um, you've seen the ups and downs of tomato spotted wilt. You've been through the times where it was fixing to put this industry out of business to, all right, just drop that stuff over there. It's not like we're trying to talk over here. Um <laughs> You know, from the point that we're almost out of business to make a, a Dr. Branch makes a selection that I'm not so sure he knew what, what we had at the moment, but it turned out to be the best selection that you could have made that saved the industry. So now it's kind of ebbs and flows. We're, we're, we're in valleys where we didn't have much tomato spot of wilt, and in the last four years we're back again. And it's come back with a vengeance. Nobody knows why. Maybe it's... El Nino, La Nina, not raining enough. I'm not sure, Bob, but um, kind of, you know, you talked a little bit. Now, you gave us, Dr. Colbert, you gave us an update on Thymet, on 4-8. What on the varieties that we've got? You know, it, it, you know, we got better varieties now that have better resistance, even better than 0-6-G. 
but all of them are responding from Thymet, from controlling what we can as far as thrips and all. Can you go through some of that? Yeah, I, um, we do tests every year to put together as many different um, cultivars as possible with and without Thymet. And even, <clears throat> even the best field resistance that we have now is not adequate in itself in a, an extremely high pressure year like 2022 or 23 in, in our plots that, that you don't get a benefit from um, additional management practices. And, and uh, Thymet is a, certainly a, um, a major one of those. And it's one that, um, you know, it, it doesn't take multiple years of rotation to do. You don't have to change tillage practices. If, if you need to plant early, that's something that can, can uh, complement your, your um, production there. Um, but, uh, you, know, you know, right now, Georgia 12 wise, the best we've got. Uh, and uh, even in a, a heavy pressure of a year like this, we, we saw a um, um, nice response to thymet in terms of reducing the spotted wilt intensity. Spotted wilt. We, even on we, that variety, right? Even on that variety okay. and on, on quite a few of the other ones, even it's, it's, um, uh, it looks like the, the, um, less resistance that you have, the, the more critical, um, other factors like thymet become. And, uh, in the case with that test, that's basically the only other factor that we're dealing with. Um, and, Everything else we do wrong. Plant as early as right, we right, can. We right. use a reduced seeding rate, single row pattern, those type of things. Um, but uh, um, you know the the is certainly a, a major factor that uh, um, it's uh, we we don't understand exactly why it's working. It, we've got other insecticides that we can control trips with that don't give us that level of suppression of spotted wilt. Um, but it. It, it's ugly. You know, it, it burns the peanuts, um, um, slows them down a bit, and they don't, um, and um, knocks off a lot of leaves. But it, by the end of the season, you've got less spotted wilt than, right, than, right. than uh, without it. So, uh, um, but again, th even with the best resistance that we have now, putting together as many factors as possible, right. uh, I think is, is a wise move. Now, <clears throat> Dr. Benjamin, you're here. I got, I got a couple of questions actually from one of our. Peanut Achievement people uh, mm -hmm. down a long time ago, but um, sent me a question, um, and it's and it's pretty relevant. We always talk about yield, all right? We've got a tremendous amount of varieties now. You know, 12Y, we talk about that all the time. 12Y, if you do it right, you can yield better than anything. And his question was, why don't y'all talk about varieties as far as economic return, the money you make on that variety, all right? Um, when it comes to tomato spider wilt, we get money back on 12Y, all right? The one bad thing about 12Y, and I, I, I'm not afraid to say it, we are about two to two and a half, maybe three points at the at the most grade-wise below 0.6G and most other varieties. Now, I would say part of that is, um, part of that is a lot of people do not carry it out to the full extent. They don't go to the 155 and 160, nor do they plant it at the right window that we want you to plant it in. You know, we typically say, or at least I do, if you can't plant it by May 10th, 12th, maybe at the 15th, then you ought to leave it in a bag because it does not it does not have enough heat units to carry out. So that that's one. And and that's one you can easily see the variation in grade. And so you're not going to make quite as much money, but we make a little bit more yield. So it, it does it does kind of even out uh, because we can make seven, eight hundred, maybe a thousand pounds better with that one than I can 06 if I carry it out. So that's that's one thing. And then you talk about tomato spider wilt. It allows us to plant early, so that you got to think about that a little bit. Now <laughs> we go to looking at these other varieties that we have, and we do now have varieties that are yielding just right there with 06. And, and the good news is, is they are grading about the same, if not a little bit better. You know, 18RU is not one. I mean, it has its problems. Leaf spot, as well as some tomato spotter wilt, you got to plant it in, in the more middle part of May. But if you do, we can yield with 06. We can grade better with 06. So we got a potential chance, a small window, but a potential chance. 
Um, some of these other varieties are the same way. What are what are you seeing from not only things that have better disease resistance, but let's talk about the nematode resistance and where we're at now, and what does that give us back, or, or what does that make us or save us? You know, when we talk about economic returns, so like a HG or some of these other ones, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all got to get back to economics um, to make sense. And something like the nematode resistance we're working with and seeing the amazing benefits of it. Um, you know, I've worked a long time trying to control nematodes with talone and temic and a variety of other things across the years of alum more recently. And if you do all that right, yeah, you can do a reasonable job on nematodes unless it's severe pressure. When the pressure gets too high, even those, pre those measures are not enough. And to be able to just plant a variety with that innate resistance and not do anything else to it in some of the worst nematode fields in the state and have no damage is really an amazing characteristic. So that's about, what, 80 to to $100 in savings there? At least. At okay. least, depending how how full bore you go with, you know, talone, uh, vellum, propulse. If you're going to use vellum, you probably really need to use propulse following up with that. Now, I would say that if it was TIFT NV or TIFT NV high oil, let mm -hmm. me say that the right way, or TIFT guard, they would come back with you, the grower would, and say, well, I can put a nematicide out with 06G or 06G and I can still make more money. Is that the same way? Are we in that same situation with the newer ones fixing to hit the marketplace here in the next two years? I think that's changing pretty quickly. Okay. Uh, the yield potential is going up with these new varieties. And, you know, the risk factor, being able to, to go in with that low of an input system and control a pathogen like, like a nematode, and they've looked pretty darn good. The nematode-resistant lines have looked pretty darn good on some other things like white mold and tomato-spotted wilt. They're right down in the, you know, the best categories we have on multiple other, other pathogens. So when you talk about saving money, that starts saving money potentially on fungicide as well as nematicide. And, and all that adds up. And you put that in a package like something like HG, uh, TIFNVHG, which has yielded pretty much right up there with everything we've seen, then it really starts adding up economically. It does. And, and that's, I think that's the point, you know, we're, we're, we're really stuck on 12 right, Y right now because it is such a high yielding variety. It, <laughs> it has a great um, disease package, white mold, leaf spots, pretty down. I mean, it's kind of middle of the road. It's not the best, but it doesn't seem to defoliate it. No, to fully it out is easy. It seems to be pretty tolerant, even when it gets out of hand. Yeah. Um, and the fact that one thing that 12Y does that no other variety I've seen yet do is it has better peg strength than I've seen in any variety I've, you know, I've evaluated in the last five to 10 years. Is that, that's a true statement or not? What do y'all think? That's uh, something we don't have as much real quantitative data. I think it holds yield well, which would be an indicator of potentially stronger peg strength. I don't know. Albert, do you have any comment on that? We, we looked at that and weren't really able to, to demonstrate a, a, an actual um, increase in peg strength or, or advantage in peg strength. But like Tim said, whatever's going on there, it seems to hold its pods um, Better and, and we've we've looked at it under uh, reduced input for organic production, for ex for example, um, and uh, it can lose a lot of leaves to, to leaf spot and still hold on to its right. to its yield. Um, better, much better than 06G and better than most everything else that we've we've looked at. Right, so right. I don't know that it, that um, that that there's an inherent naturally. Uh, you know, stronger peg in, involved, but it may be maybe uh, uh, something something to just maintain the integrity, right? Rather right. than a, a difference in uh, natural, just overall peg strength. Well, if it's any, if if vines or anything to to speak <laughs> of, <laughs> it's got that. You know, we talk about growing hemp to make rope out of. I think we just need to do it out of twelve Y. 
um, you have to manage it, and and it's not a it's not a willy nilly variety you just throw out there and grow. You have to manage it. We've learned that now, and you can do it. Now I know the manufacturers don't always like it, but we're hung on it because what? It is one of the ones that's helping us ease through these troubling times we have with tomato spotted wilt, being able to plant early and that kind of thing. And 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 I am pretty stoked about the fact that hey, we got more of these varieties coming now that's got better resistance. You know, leaf spot resistance, white mold resistance, and and all these. And and the bad thing, and I would say that, not everything's as, as nice as it seems. It's going to take four to five more years before we start to see these come on out in, in good numbers. Um, <laughs> we've got the HG that's going to be, it's going to take it another year before we get enough seed to really do anything. You've got... 52 in, where did Barry go? He done left, I reckon. Um, 52 in is going to be two years out. So that's one that looks pretty good as a non-hyolic. 21 GR is going to be two years out. That's Georgia 21 GR. Looks very good, but it's it's still a little ways out. So I don't think um, when we talk about talking about economics, you know, other than yield, I think that all the new varieties, I think the economics is better. Um now, we hadn't heard yet from the manufacturer side of things about how good does it taste, how good does it shell, and all that stuff. And so we still got to listen to that down the road and find out where they're going to fall out. But I, I feel more comfortable now than I have in the last several years to say that it looks positive right now. Are we going to take a little dip here? I mean, you know, we've we've had several varieties that we look good to begin with, and then we found these problems like 13M. Um 20 VHO. I soon not grow that one now because of its risk to shed pods. Uh, it bothers me. I know some people are going to continue to grow it, but just know that it gets wet feet the last month of the growing season. It's going to shed pods. So that's that's one that I don't you know care for really, but um, the, the industry likes it. So we'll see where that one falls out. Um, what else did we learn today, Bob? I think the the big thing continues to be just the the diversity of 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 information that's being given out and we covered from uh, it wasn't just varieties variety is certainly an important thing why we have the the breeders with us but also looking at the impact of chemical inputs uh one of the things was just further further looking at what forate sold as thymet what it does as far as as far as um, a spot of will control Another thing was looking at uh, the use of vellum in furrow, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of talk. You know, there's, there's, you need to put something in furrow for thrips, and and uh, you need to put something in furrow. But uh, the question sometimes is, is, is what does something like vellum bring? And the data today reiterated that vellum for use in nematode control, but it also offers uh, early season leaf spot control. And in a year like uh, Dr. Brenneman, you mentioned that we're really worried coming into the. 2024 season about the quality of our seed based mm-hmm. upon aspergillus and the very hot and dry conditions we had and a product like i'm not here to sell vellum but the but the the the, the opportunity we talked about was vellum or propulse offer the opportunity to further uh protect against aspergillus seedling diseases right, right. and and i think scotty when you when you ask what did we talk about yes we talked about the uh, the varieties and we talked about spotted wilt but but uh, I think those examples of, in addition to that chemical control, I know that uh, uh, Dr. Manastrayer from Auburn talked about some of her fungicide research that she's conducted and just looking at different trials as they went in there. So it's, we really cover as a team of covering five states, if it comes to anything related to how we can mitigate spotted wilt, leaf spot, white mold, and even nematodes, uh, we're covering that in the context of the Peanut RX right. uh, program. And so we're trying to strengthen everything for these growers all over the, the Southeast. And so we hope we keep uh, coming to this meeting and learning every year. That's something that we do every year. I think no matter how we are, we learn. Um, we appreciate everybody being here. And, and I do appreciate the growers that continue to send us questions or comments because <laughs> That is true, and 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 I don't, I'm not taking that lightly about the economic side of it. I will put that together in my slides on my variety trials this year. We're we're gonna run that out economics by with grade in in part of it, and 
and really show what that looks like per variety because I think they need to see that. And so hopefully we're going to get all that ready for you for these grower meetings. Uh, so please show up. That's the biggest thing. Come come out and let us talk. Um, heck, you know, the most, you know, we love to talk. It may not always be about peanuts, but we love to talk. And I think if you just start figuring out a way to, to fish down the, is it the Altamaha over that way in East Georgia, or if it's Chattahoochee in, in this side of Georgia, or if it's the Seminole, you know, like we've always said, you know, kind of like going out, instead of looking at disease fields, we love seeing good peanuts, but you know what? We like seeing white-tailed deer and quail and and fish and squirrels as well. So if you can get us cornered up in a spot that we can just sit around and talk about things, I think we can like get a get a lot covered. So and and maybe kind of figure out a project for the next year. So I do I do appreciate everybody being with us today. Again, this is episode fifty-three of All About the Pod. We'll catch you again next week. Look forward to it. Thanks. Thank you.